0: Hi, listeners, and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Paige Lenson. We're glad to have you with us. You can find this episode and more for what it's worth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and RaymondJames.com. In 2010, 40 of the wealthiest people in the U.S. publicly committed to donating the majority of their wealth to charitable causes, and the Giving Pledge took form. It now has over 200 signatories from around the world, including household names like Warren Buffett, Melinda Gates, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Mackenzie Scott, and Mark Zuckerberg. But charitable giving isn't exclusive to multi-billionaires. Here to talk about the importance of philanthropic commitments and how families are building legacies of generosity, I'm pleased to be joined once again by Nicole Heisler, Director of Charitable Solutions at Raymond James Trust. Nicole, welcome back. It's great to be speaking with you. It's a pleasure to be here. I mentioned the giving pledge. Some of the world's wealthiest public figures have made this very public commitment to donate the majority of their wealth to charitable causes. Is this a sentiment that you see among families that you work with, deciding to commit a meaningful part of their wealth to philanthropy instead of leaving it to loved ones?
1: Absolutely. I think that the most wealthy individuals that we work with, too, are more in this category. They have aspired to do great things. They've been very successful in their careers. They know how to be successful. And so they want to be Read success in their philanthropic endeavors as well. And so they want to be strategic about it. They're asking better questions. And wow, if you've never read the stories on the Giving Pledge, it will inspire you to be just like them, whether you're a billionaire or not. There are just some things that they're learning at home and when they grew up that are inspiring them to do great things. And they are making more and more people join because of those reasons. So absolutely, we're seeing that not just with the billionaires, but among all of the wealthy individuals that we're trying to work with. And I think that public
0: inspiration is a key piece. I mean, this is it is a public commitment. That's sort of the whole point to inspire both maybe their peers at that high level of wealth, but to share their
1: stories with other families too. Right, and they're not just specifically saying which charities they're giving to, right? It's about why, why it's important to give back and how they're doing it in a significant way. And these wealthiest individuals know that it's gonna take someone like them with that type of resource to make that big of an impact and they wanna be part of that. So it's really inspiring. How do you
0: see charitable commitments like that affect family dynamics? Because I think from the outside, especially when you look at these huge public figures, you know, you're seeing them decide in some cases, I don't want, really want to leave my heirs with much at all. I really want to commit that to charitable causes and sort of leave them to fend for themselves. How do you see those sort
1: of dynamics play out? I think that happens but it also happens in a more collaborative way too. So we see people creating charitable trusts, donor advisements, private foundations and they are involving their family in these. And there's been a there was a great study done by GGNA Survey Labs where they looked at families and students and they asked these students did you come from a family that gave? And those that came from a family that was giving said of them said it was important to them to give also. It's hugely impactful for you to start talking to the next generation and your kids about why giving is important to you so that you can continue that down to the next generation. So I absolutely think that that's happening, but using these collaborative vehicles, you can have the best of both worlds. You can give to charity and earmark it for your children to do it for you. So we're seeing more and more people start a donor-advised fund, where they are funding a charity in this account, the money is irrevocable, it has to go to charity, but then they're naming their children as successors on these accounts. And so the children are given the gift of giving, and they can direct grants out of those accounts when they take over that successor role. So it's really great. Let's talk a little bit about transparency,
0: because I think that might be an area of concern for some families, both in the idea of how transparent do I want to be with my kids, my grandkids about money? It can be a sensitive topic. And also, you know, we've talked about the giving pledge being extremely public, but I'm sure some wealthy families also maybe want to be a little bit more private or have a little more anonymity around their giving. How does that factor into a strategic plan?
1: Absolutely great question. So we know that most people give in gifts of cash or check, and they might be starting these private foundations. And All the gifting that way is very public. Like you mentioned, everyone can see on those tax returns who you're giving the money to, and the private foundation giving is public as well. So, if someone really has a desire to be anonymous, the donor advised funds are cropping up more and more. We're seeing people use those accounts because they can gift the money to a charity. It's held in the name of that charity, and then direct grants out of that account are only under the charity's return. So that anonymity factor does play a role when someone wants that in their strategic plan.
0: What about timing of giving? There are probably some families that want that giving to be done at the time of their passing. There are families that decide, I want to do all of this giving during my lifetime so I can you know, see the fruits of it. How do you see that conversation and and deciding on the timing variable play out?
1: Yeah, everybody's very different. And it it does – taxes do play a role in that if you're thinking about how you're going to leave money to heirs and how it's going to be taxed when it goes to them, but you also want to be philanthropic. You do want to take that into consideration when you're making your plan. But even clients that say, you know what, I just want to do this upon my passing – we try to talk to them about their ambitions and their desires and goals for giving and explain to them so much joy that can come from watching that happen during their lifetime. So we do try to encourage at least some of that to happen up front, but have a really good conversation about all of their goals for giving, both from passions and tax saving strategies to get to the right solution. It seems
0: like right now there are a lot of public figures, well-known names, well-known, co- well-known companies that are making headlines for giving related reasons. Earlier this year, the owners of Patagonia transferred the majority of the company to a social benefit trust. They've stated that those funds are going to be going towards, uh, towards climate change. Do you think that we're going to see more of this overall trend in the years ahead of companies sort of formalizing philanthropic intentions as
1: part of their overall business? Absolutely. And I think that that's being driven by the younger audience. So we are seeing more and more younger donors coming out, and they are two to three more times to be strategic with their giving. So we think that that's what's inspiring these companies to get more involved with that and be passionate about it. We also see a lot of young entrepreneurs, so they're driving that bus. But I think that having that plan, we're seeing some of them creating found their own foundations or, again, a donor advice. Fund just to fund company profits that way, and then even involving the associates in the decision plans for where should that money go. So they might, as a company, have a mission to support the environment, and then they might join their associates in that decision to pick which charities are doing the best work and allow them to actually deliver the grant to the charities. So it is really inspiring to see that as well. It's interesting to hear you say
0: that in some ways the younger demographic might, might be more strategic when it comes to their approach to giving. I wonder if, just anecdotally, some of that might be to do with the variety and the, the, the availability of ways to give and right. the fact that if, if you've got you know, a spread of a million ways in front of you, you're sort of forced to be a little bit more strategic, um, otherwise it's, it's hard to know exactly what you're doing or how to make maybe more of a meaningful impact.
1: It is interesting. I I, I agree with you. I think there is many more options to give out there, and people still are using so much cash to do it. But as they start to learn about these different vehicles out there, or even just some sites that are cropping up where you can donate now and pay later? I mean, this is actually coming. So I think that they're learning more about it. The, the next generation is not as excited about using credit cards. So they're looking for all these other options for giving and they're the market is responding. So I do think that that is what's driving the strategy there. You mentioned briefly tax efficiency, When we've spoken before, I know
0: it's always come up, tax efficiency is generally not the reason that people give, but it's certainly an important consideration when they're giving. How do you find that balance if you're a family making these plans of, you know, you're figuring out your intentions and and what matters most to you and how to give back, and you also want to do it in a way that's really um, tax efficient and, and considering those implications?
1: Well, there's def- you have to go through a whole process and really understand it, right? So we really encourage our clients, if they want to be philanthropic, to go through a guided plan to determine what are their their goals, what are their passions, who do they want to involve, and how quickly do they want to make those gifts happen. And if they are in a situation where they have a high income earning year, or they're taking a loss, or they're just working on plans for retirement, and they want to make sure they offset any Roth conversions at the time of their planning. There's so many factors that go into making the right choice for the right vehicle with the right tax saving strategies. And that, to your point, that's not why people give, but they want to give more if it's possible. And so we want to help them understand all the options that they have to give more to charity. When it comes to vetting charitable organizations,
0: it matters to all investors, but I'm thinking especially for these high net worth families, these these ultra wealthy private figures you know, there's a lot hanging in the balance of where it's going and how those funds are going to be put to good use. Mm -hmm. How do you help guide families through, okay, you've decided that this cause is really important to you, you want to give to it. Now let's find an organization that's going to do that in a meaningful way.
1: So it's interesting. When we look at studies, there is That is the biggest challenge that our donors have is just where to give their money. They want to be philanthropic, they have these goals and passions, but they don't know which charities are doing the best work. And so we do partner with organizations like the Center for Disaster Philanthropy, when a disaster strikes, they are interviewing charities and they know exactly who's doing the best work to solve the problem at hand. And then there's sites like Charity Navigator and GuideStar that can offer you some information about the charities that are out there. But I think what we're seeing happen the most now are these giving circles coming about. And we are seeing that people are getting together collectively with a similar goal or passion, and then collectively bringing their funds together, researching, learning together, and then making grant decisions together. So there's something like 2,000 of them out there now. And I think it's really the the move of the future to help people understand how to give collectively in better ways.
0: Last year, there were a few lingering adjustments to charitable giving-related limits and contribution amounts, deductions that were tied to the CARES Act. Is there anything particular this year that investors and families should be paying attention to?
1: I think that they just need to get more familiar with what is the available to them for their giving. Because some of the options like gifting illiquid assets, privately held shares, real estate, cryptocurrency, these are all options for our donors, but they take time. And you can't be one of the people in the 12% at the end of the year that has three days left and now you're making your decisions and all of a sudden you wish that you had given those illiquid assets. We have to get together earlier develop the plan for that and make sure we're getting that achieving as much as we possibly can to give the most we possibly can to charity sounds like an important takeaway for
0: listeners don't wait until the last second do Don't wait well nicole heisler director of charitable solutions at raymond james trust it's always great to speak with you thank you so much for sharing with us about this really important and inspirational topic thank you happy to be here Listeners, thank you for tuning in. You can find more episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so be sure to subscribe. For what it's worth, I'll see you next time.